Welcome to the Intercut Podcast, the weekly show going over the TV, movies, and entertainment that people can't cut away from. I am your co-host, Zachary Shevich, and joining me, can you feel the love tonight? It's Arturo Zurita. From the most popular movie of all time. You know what's crazy about this movie is that I log on to like, you know, I was curious for the music. I was telling you guys that no matter whether you hate the movie or not, there was people hate watching this movie and they were dancing to the music. Turns out Beyonce has her own album. Leave it to Beyonce to be the only artist who can take the Lion King name and do her own remixes, have rights to use as interludes, Simba talking and stuff. It's incredible. Uh, Zach, I know we're going to get into a big discussion dealing with the Lion King. Is it necessary or have you committed a crime by watching this movie in the film fandom? Perhaps all of us who have purchased tickets to see... Uh, this product of the Disney conglomerate are in some ways culpable for the downfall Inter- of society. Yeah. Inter- That's a topic too big for today's show. <laughs> We're also joined by producer Fernando. Oh Say what up, Fernando. How's it going, guys? Um, if that's the case, you might as well throw me in jail because I might see it again. You're going to see it again? Maybe. I don't know. Oh, no, you're going to hell. <laughs> that's not, that's not jail. That's I'm joking. Hell. But I've been gone for a while, so I'm glad to be to be back doing this. Yeah, he was missing. Yeah, we're we glad to have you alert. back on Intercut. Uh, we are going to get into a lot of things on this week's show, including the Emmys, Marvel, oh Matt and Ben's reunion. But first, make sure you subscribe to the Intercut podcast, either the video feed on YouTube.com slash Intercut pod or the audio feed, which is available on most podcatchers also follow intercut on social media whether it's facebook twitter or instagram we are at intercut pod that's intercut pod that's short short for podcast art let's start the show the way we started every week here with what we are watching i don't know if i've been as excited to for this segment buddy i told you guys the last time euphoria is insane I, I thought I finished it. It turns out, no, I just caught up. You know how rare it is for me to, like, <laughs> while the show's still going, I always have to wait till the end. I thought it had ended. Right, you're a uh, wait till the end and exactly. binge person. Well, it turns out there's two more episodes, which I can't complain, you know? Uh, yeah. An incredible series. This comes, <laughs> this is the HBO series A24 produced, I would want to say, one of their first TV shows, if not, like, one of their first five, uh, from the director who did Assassination Nation. Sundance movie that came out a couple years ago. Uh, I know some people who really love that movie. I was like, hey. Now I see it. Not the movie. But Euphoria? Oh my goodness. This is insane. It is one of the best. I can't... I highly recommend it. You had recommended Bonding last time. Uh, I checked it out. Wait, uh, just to, to not skip over Euphoria too quickly, uh, you mentioned it's created by Sam Levinson, yeah. who did Assassination Nation. Uh, so the big thing with Euphoria is it's this very like scandalized teen drama, I Crazy. guess. There's a lot of uh, sex and drugs and drinking and stuff like that. But you don't find that the um, it's just putting that stuff into kind of... Uh, lure people in or, or scandalize people that there's some substance behind what they're doing and in, in their uh, depiction of American teendom. Yes, 100%. That's what he does. That's how he directs. <laughs> this is that teen movie where you're like, remember when like eighth grade was like, wow, this seems really realistic. Yeah. But it's also like MPAA yeah. comes in and goes like, okay, if you want eighth graders to see this, um, even to sneak into this for it to even be playing, you got to This does not have any of that. There is right. a five-minute montage of dick pics. 
And it's done as a lesson from Zendaya teaching men. I realize that there's two ways you can watch this show. As a as you know, someone uh, someone who's more feminine who's watching this and going like, mm-hmm. "Wow, it really it really be like that." And then the men watching this going, "Oh, it be like that." Okay, so change <laughs> this. You know what I'm saying? It is it's yeah. a crazy show. I love the way he directs it. Some of the transitions are just awe dropping. Uh, I can see some people watching this and going like, "This is ridiculous," but it, it's kind of like the Good Boy. Um, uh, that's why I brought a bonding. I wasn't cutting to bonding. I wanted to mention bonding as sort of All right, like cool. Yeah, let, let's let's you're, transition you're, to bonding. Uh, then. Recap that one for people who don't know about it because that's on Netflix. So bonding is a Netflix show. It's only fifteen minutes per episode, seven episodes, but it's uh, a show about a grad student in New York who. Uh, moonlights as a dominatrix and hires her gay best friend to kind of be her bodyguard slash assistant that comes out tries to that's netflix again as it's done multiple times trying to be like so here are people you don't realize do this for a living then the people who do it for a living come in and go it's not like that for me <laughs> and they come you know i was i was i, en- I ended up really enjoying the show i really uh like the character of her boyfriend kind of the friend who really wants to be there and i found it very yeah. engaging and then i read online and it's sort of like uh, another show netflix show called disjointed that tried to do the same thing to take the stigma away of marijuana and how it can be used for ptsd and different things like that those veterans and then people come in and go they got one thing wrong the whole thing is trash <laughs> it's this interesting conundrum when it comes to trying to show a lifestyle which euphoria also has not just a teen lifestyle but the idea of i want to phrase this very carefully of owning your femininity and having nobody shame you for it even when it can also become a not just a lifestyle but a job you know like people have Pornhub accounts and are making more than us three gentlemen right here Uh, and that's what one of the characters does and it's an interesting perspective how out of the, the three that i just mentioned disjointed uh bonded bonding and this one euphoria seems to have swept the crowd that it's meant for on its feet uh Mm. i can't recommend it enough enough i enjoy it i love it it's my new to watch it's my new everything Mm. is isn't good in it it's what she was i mean it's almost like (laughs) zendaya or zendaya because i know i always miss it it is zendaya uh, I always say Zendaya, and people are like, Ooh. what? Uh, I feel like her character as MJ, her interpretation of MJ. In the first one? Exactly. The way that she, her character yeah. from Shake It Up, her character from even Casey Undercover. Like, first of all, when I'm comparing these, you know, it's like, is this Zendaya's best role? Yeah. Well, what are you going to give it to? Greatest Showman? <laughs> what are you going to give it to? MC? Und- no. This is, without a doubt, like, her big thing. Obviously, most people are going to know her for MJ, but yeah. this is like her, yo, this is... Yeah, this puts her front and center in a way that uh, the Spider-Man movies definitely Exactly. Like, if people know Bale as Batman, some of us know him as American Psycho, though. You know, it's kind of like that. Uh, it's still two more episodes. Like, I don't know where he's going to go with it. I don't know if it's a miniseries. I don't know if there's a season two. I just know y'all got to watch it. That's my pick of the week. <laughs> Dope. Uh, all right. So, Art is watching Euphoria. And he caught up with Bonding, too. Fernando, anything you've been watching recently? Um, surprisingly, I've been watching TV recently, too. I'm going to bring up, well, Big Little Lies just ended. Um, yep. And it was an interesting ending. You know, it was only seven episodes, which, first of all, surprised me. I was like, well, it's ending already. Well, season one. Um, I think season one was eight. Is, we talked two. about this the other day. Isn't it crazy that seasons are doing this staggering episode list? Yeah. Dark was ten. Mm-hmm. Season two was eight. Yeah. And that was the other show. 
Um, I'm starting to watch uh, Dark Season 2 because the first season is one that I loved. I try to get people to watch Season 1. Um, pitched it as like the German darker Stranger Things, which I don't really know if it counts anymore. Um, yeah, it's gone so off the deep end. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but really confusing. I can tell why some people wouldn't like to watch it unless they watch it like dubbed. Um, I personally watch it with subtitles and in German. But but yeah, those are two shows that I think are really are really good. Um, Dark maybe more than Big Little Lies season two, just because of how crazy it is. Um, and and yeah, I just it's crazy how many good TV shows have already come out and how many are still to come. I feel like this year there might be right? like this interesting question of. Was TV better than movies this year? We we'll I don't know. See. We saw that TIFF schedule, which we'll talk about. Yeah. But yeah, the Emmys, I know, is another conversation. <laughs> but Zach, what have you been watching? Yeah, uh, I mean, Fernando mentioned that there's a lot of great TV this year. Uh, we're seeing HBO is putting out all these shows in an effort to keep audiences around and post Game of Thrones. Every single we one's have, a hit. We have uh, the introduction of... Uh, new streaming services and shows to fill that those voids so uh, yeah there's a lot of stuff going on now I've also been watching Big Little Lies uh, like Fernando has and uh, I think since the last time we spoke uh, since the last time we spoke about the quality of the show uh, it, it's been kind of revealed more about uh, behind the, scenes. the turmoil behind yeah. the scenes involving Andrea Arnold and uh, control of the show being wrestled away from her uh, I, the Despite all that behind-the-scenes drama, I still feel like there's a lot of really compelling things going on in Big Little Lies, especially uh, in this season. I I found Meryl Streep to be uh, just absolutely incredible throughout. Uh, It's just the only thing that I'm disappointed with is they put a lot of interesting threads out there, Mm -hmm. and they seem to have kind of not... And given up on answering yeah. all of them. Like, cut them too uh, short, I felt. Yeah, Laura Dern's storyline sort of went nowhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bonnie storyline kind of went in circles yeah. and had its own problematic issues that other people have spoken about. Uh, and the way that the season ended, to me, feels like the end of a season and not the end of a series. Yeah. And, I mean, unless HBO's got, like, their season three paperwork locked is, away. Is it not in some confirmed? Kind of, I don't think it's confirmed, but I feel like it's kind of got to come back yeah. if that's the way they're ending it. Uh, although, will everybody want to come back if there's been so much drama behind the scenes? I, I still think it's a compelling watch. And, you know, in this era where we're getting so many great TV shows mm-hmm. and so many big stars on TV, it, it's become easier and easier to take for granted that every week we were getting Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon, in a uh, show, Laura Dern, Meryl Streep. Yeah, like just going at each other. And this was stuff written very well for them. Yeah. Uh, I mean, uh, there's been some quali- quality of the writing debated. And I think they, they're elevating a lot of the stuff. Mm-hmm. They're, they are so good. They are so watchable. Dude, they're producers. Like, they yeah. have gone to a level where they all have their own production companies. When I was seeing Reese producing this year, I was like, what? Mm-hmm. So yeah. for them to come back as aces for acting, you guys have sold me 
Uh, I'm still in the midst of season one, but you guys have oversold me on Meryl Streep's performance to a point where it's like you. It's it's like when the polls came out and it's like, oh, Meryl Streep and 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 Hanks. And I remember yeah. Zach's words were like, yeah, but it's Meryl Streep's Oof. and Hanks and yeah. Spielberg. And over here, it's like, yeah. You said season one though is a complete package to you. Yeah. The thing, yeah, season one ends in a way that even though there is a cliffhanger, like the ending is intentionally a cliffhanger. It's the kind of cliffhanger that you can live with. It's one of those ambiguous questions that that's fun about, to wrestle yeah. with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way season two ended, it's just there's there's they've been talking about a situation and they decide the situation's going to happen. Well, we talked yeah. about and the, the two and three combo thing that they do. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You're not a fan. Um, but that be that being said, like I also don't know what the plan would be for season three because the way season two has ended, a lot of the lies have been told. <laughs> there's so, not one more big little one. There, there's not really that I can think of. Other so. than behind the scenes, <laughs> right. the biggest little lie. Yeah. So maybe season three will just be a dramatic reenactment of the behind the scenes <laughs> of season two. That'd but, be interesting. Uh, I still like. I'm still recommending people check that yeah, out because sure. it's got some of the best performances I've seen on television. I don't know who I would pick uh, as best supporting actress between Laura Dern and Meryl Streep. They were both just so so good. Uh, just give them, give it both to them. Uh, but let us know what you've been watching in the comments on YouTube or by shooting us an email. The address for that is intercutpod at gmail.com. That's all for what we're watching, but we're going to move on to the yay or nay, where we break down the latest happenings in the entertainment industry, starting with Marvel Studios oh. unveiling its plans for phase more of the Mar- phase four of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yo. Ten movies and Disney Plus shows that will launch between May 2020 and November 2021. Notably, the two movies that will follow next year's Black Widow are The Eternals and Shang-Chi Legend of the Ten Rings. 2021 will also have Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, as well as Thor, Love and Thunder Art. Yay or nay, Phase 4 could be the best phase of the MCU yet? You know, what's funny is that you... I can already speak for Fernando in this because we had a whole conversation. This segment right here, this little yay or nay, could be its own little video. We talked about this. I know. Right? There's a lot of news for us to talk Practically about. Practically called. So if this does become its own little segment, just know one, welcome to the Intercut Podcast. Watch our other videos over here. But this is <laughs> this is the secret to, to phase four. Fernando and I had a whole conversation about this. Yes, it does have the possibility. We know Infinity Saga has ended. Uh, big thumbs up for us over here because looking at not only what they revealed... It's been that patient uh, building for us to finally get this this uh, martial arts movie that we're about to get. For us to, you know, when Black Panther 2, Spider-Man 3, and oh, by the way, we got the mutants are the last thing said, that's insane to me. But there was a, a, mm-hmm. a cool little secret that people, it's not even a secret, it's a pattern that we've been noticing. Uh, no one knew James Gunn, unless you were really big in the horror scene. Really, it turns out after the debacle last year, no one knew James Gunn at all. Yeah. Um, but look at what he's created, right? Look at a bunch of... The, I would even argue with John Favreau, you know? When we were watching The Lion King and I had said a guy was so astounded that that was him. Mm-hmm. John Favreau created Iron Man and elevated that to a degree. Josh Whedon went from becoming a cult favorite in his shows to handling Avengers 1 and 2. And what we ended up seeing in 3 and 4 were remnants of him. It's cutting off Avengers, uh, not allowing him to say assemble so it can be said later. Fernando, 
bring me up with the links here. Who do we got directing some of these upcoming movies? All right. So for Black Widow, which is the one that's set to come out first next year. Um, it's the one that's already in production yep, right that's now. that's already in production. They showed a little like teaser promo thing at um, Comic-Con. Um, we have Kate uh, Shortland um, that directed Berlin Syndrome, this small um, indie film that's on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, I know Art wasn't crazy about it. You told me that you weren't crazy about it. But it was a um, I thought it was selection. Too. But that's read just like... Read me the like, cast. No, read me the cast, boy. Oh, the cast? Okay, the cast. So obviously we have Scarlett Johansson playing mm-hmm. Black Widow again. You know, her weird tree stuff aside. Uh, yeah. We have Stranger Things, uh, David Harbour. Which who, people went crazy yes. i take back everything i've said about stranger things the fandom besides faking being in relationships uh david harbour has become he's has he's having a renaissance right now yeah but i'm there's one particular person i'm excited for so name um, her last name the more veteran first the Your more girl veteran. okay so rachel wise academy Who, award in- winner Incredible. Yeah. They hit me with it. This next then, person had alina <laughs> checking to see if she could purchase tickets already <laughs> Um, and then we have the most. Re- she has a recent movie out, Florence Pugh, from oh Midsummer. Oh my! From goodness. it's flow time. Fighting with it's my crazy. family. This is uh, insane. She's phenomenal. Bro, um, she's on the Marvel train already. I'm like, yeah. I'm happy for her. This is exciting. This movie. Mm, imagine having your first like female centric movie be like cool. Yeah. Imagine it being the best out of the. How many movies we got? You know, like that's yeah. to me a statement. And I feel yeah. like only someone with with the uh, attention to detail like Kevin Feige can do something like this. I don't know if you want to add anything more yeah. to, to, to this movie before we talk about some of the other ones. Um, not really. It's going to be interesting because they said that this movie takes place. This is kind of like a prequel-ish. I feel like Budapest, I heard a lot of people some say. parts yeah. are going to take place maybe in the future. Um, but they're saying it takes place after a civil war. So that's when it takes yeah. place. Um, wow. That's but, intriguing but, to me because you know they've yeah. had this idea in the books for a bit. Mm-hmm. And also from the footage they showed, only at Comic-Con, they said it starts with the text Budapest, which obviously has been hinted a lot yeah. um, throughout the series. So it's going to be Between her and Hawkeye. Yep. Pick this next one over here because I got one that's really exciting. All right. Um, the next one, I believe, after that is Eternals, which is, is actually my Ooh, most my anticipated. Um, I'm going to read off the cast first um because it's well i mean you got kumail nanjiani, kumail nanjiani. you got angelie jolie mm-hmm. you got Paperboy, brian tyree henry i mean we have you got richard matten richard the best matten. looking one in games of thrones first of all all right hasn't yeah, looked the rob stark himself dude when i so first of all really quick thing for angelina jolie she was actually supposed to be playing jessica chastain's character in the x-men movie that oh, didn't okay. happen oh, was she really oh. yeah also didn't happen for jessica chastain <laughs> Uh, I have very interesting notes for that, but yeah, because a lot of people said, it feels like she has another role for Marvel, and so she's refusing to do something for Fox. Turns out she did, and it's yep. this big bad boy of a role that's supposed to be this overly encompassing thing. Have you guys seen the details, that uh, the, the artwork that leaked for this? Thanos yeah, the... is supposed to be in this. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting style, but it's also that idea that we're dealing with prequels, almost like relishing in this lore of these 10 years that we created where we can go back and be like y'all want to know what thanos is doing during this time in his teen years they're showing teen thanos before he even knew he wanted to destroy half the world Mm -hmm. um the director uh the director is chloe zhao uh she's from china Mm -hmm. and she's made two movies that in total have made three million dollars 
at the box office. <laughs> Those movies being? Uh, one was a Sundance movie called um, Songs My Brother Taught Me. Uh, and then the other one came out two years critically ago. critically acclaimed hit? The Writer. The Writer. Um, Play Part of Con. the fourth cinematic universe. Yeah. Along with the Mustang and uh, the Pete one. Mm-hmm. This is incredible to me. And this is where, Zach, I want you, to, you and I to have this discussion right here. A yeah. lot of the, the discourse around this has been like, oh, all these movies coming out. I've seen tweets from verified critics from big websites going, oh, this is not why I got into the industry. Now, Zach, right. was did you see the writer? Uh, actually, I haven't. I've heard great okay. things about it. So, say a movie like the writer, an independent movie. You know, aren't how, you how really? about let's go with a, a great independent movie like Short Term Twelve? Just just to pick one out of her hat. Yeah. If those directors were to be doing a superhero, a big blockbuster, would you not be happy for them? Would you not even be happier that once the movie comes out, it turns out, wow, they really let them do their style? Yeah, I, I'd be thrilled, uh, especially considering the new budgets that would probably be available to these indie filmmakers who otherwise might be like struggling to earn a living the yeah. way that uh, your boy Charlie Kaufman has talked what about. He says, I don't got money. <laughs> mm-hmm. So... As a critic, shut – I'm sorry. <laughs> Yo, these filmmakers need to eat, and you'd rather them be playing their, their movies in one theater because that's yeah. – I'm trying to see where the merit is here. Yo, if they can come in and make this big blockbuster and then go do all these crazy dope projects, why would you not want that? Mm-hmm. They could easily be going for the most boring directors possible, and they got the director of The Writer. You got Mahershala Ali coming back. I know the joke's been yeah. uh, original Blade. Our boy Wesley can't come back because if he couldn't handle the checks for the first three, he ain't going to check out the MCU, that MCU <laughs> check when he comes back. I'm excited for all of these. I'm excited for the TV shows. Yeah. I think it's going to be able to open you know, a bigger world. And, of course, the second half of this conversation goes with our Lion King talk and known properties and how they can generate right. buzz. But yeah, well, I want to ask you actually something a little bit about the known properties uh, We because we brought up Blade and uh, Captain Marvel 2 and Black Panther 2 and X-Men have all been mm-hmm. hinted at as part of the future of Marvel. But uh, Kevin Feige was clear to say those are not Phase 4 movies. Oh, Blade yeah. is going to be fl- Phase, phase 5. Mm-hmm. So when we're just talking about Phase 4, it is there is a little bit of a lack of familiar properties. Yes, we are getting the return of Thor, mm-hmm. uh, but I don't know if Doctor Strange necessarily carries the same kind of weight as some of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like yes. that's potentially something that could uh, lead to some pushback? You don't or think some... that's cool? I think that's great. Really that's cool. insane. I think that's what... This is a big mm-hmm. organization. Yeah. They're like, we're just gonna have no Avengers movies. We yeah. killed the main character. The other one grew old. That's some balls, dude. Yeah, it can end yeah. up terribly. And, and to do it with a bunch of interesting newer directors potentially yep. opens the door to uh, some more experimentation. I know that at the uh, at the San Diego Comic Con, uh, Scott Derrickson, the please, Doctor Strange director, please talk about this. is a horror director. Yes, name some of the stuff talking that he's about done. How Sinister. he wants. What else has he done? Oh, uh, off the top of my head, I'm having trouble. But uh, I think I they're to, bringing uh, the, the same writer again who did Sinister One and Two. Uh, Sinister, I'm right. Exorcism of uh, Emily Rose, Sinister there Two, uh, Hellraiser. All these horror movies. They yeah. needed Doctor Strange for the sequel to them be. First of all, what's the name of this movie? Because it is <laughs> the most Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness. It sounds so goofy. Mm-hmm. It's so dope. And now you're telling me it's going to be a horror movie. Makes me question what's happening in New Mutants. I don't, I don't know. But a full out horror movie. I am intrigued. What was the second mm-hmm. one you had mentioned? 
Uh, Shang-Chi? Uh, our, not Shang-Chi, uh, the other one. Uh, Thor, Love uh-huh. and Thunder? What do you guys think about the big reveal? Because it's a twofer here. It's not just the news of like, wow, female Thor based off of the comic series, very beloved. Taika's coming back. There's Akira being paused. But there's also Natalie Portman. I thought you hated being here. As, as, right? I, I mean, it. this definitely explains a little more why she was willing she to was do willing that to come cameo back. Yep. in uh, Endgame. Yep. But uh, uh, yeah, look, it, I so... I, there was a take on Twitter that I saw that I thought was unfair, saying how, uh, look at her gritting her teeth, thinking about how this is going to pay for, like, 20 art films, which, like, Wait. I think that's a little bit unfair to but, read into those pictures. Sure, but if those it pictures. is, isn't that dope? But, yeah, it, it, if it does mean that she gets to continue making the types of movies she's been making, that's awesome. Yeah. Yo, uh, What I think is cool, What I don't even want to get too distracted, though. This is Natalie Portman in a Taika Waititi movie. Mm-hmm. We we've gotten uh, c- comedic Natalie in some yeah. some places, but not for a little while. And I mean, I guess maybe Vox Lux a little bit, but yeah. And I think she could be a really great match for Taika. Mm-hmm. That, I'm so very excited, I'm excited about that. And for the indie fans out there, y'all don't know how your movies get funded, yeah. <laughs> so that's a whole other discussion that needs to be had on how there's usually ten movies. You have your big blockbusters, and all those end up paying for the ones that. You claim you want to be big but never make any money. So if Natalie Portman can take that to the bank, let's go. If the cast of Big Little Lies we just talked about that can go produce more things, let's go. If Taika can be making more yeah. Jojo Rabbits, let's go. I'm excited for everything announced. Did any of the Disney Plus announcements stand out to you? Absolutely none of them, except the mm-hmm. what if. Okay. Dude, the Falcon and the, the Winter Soldier, I almost feel like that feels... Like the Thor DVD specials. Do you remember those where you had the? Yeah, roommate? it feels a little bit like uh, I don't Disney know. Plus yeah, we'll is getting see. Disney Plus is getting all the properties that aren't good enough to. And they to know it. Yeah, they want to test it first. But the what if is kind of interesting because yeah. I've always liked the what if one shots. Mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who don't know, it's just like a scenario. It's like what if the X Men mm-hmm. didn't exist? What if so and so died? What if Thor won- or Thanos won? Uh, yeah. I don't know what they're going to be doing with it, but I think it's really interesting. There is one that stood out to me. Uh, two. One bad. Loki. What is that logo? And I'm also Bro, not you a don't fan. Get it? Shut up. He, I don't he's want like a shapeshifter. The letters are all different. Oh, well, know? now that you said that, it's even yeah. worse. The whole <laughs> idea of like Loki traveling in an alternate dimension that has not. It's like, what? Okay, sure, whatever. Yeah. Hawkeye? I don't know if y'all ever read that run. When I saw mm-hmm. the logo as a comic book fan, I know that's the logo. From the from the Hawkeye run that blew up, I can't remember the the writer because I get Fraction and if it's not Fraction, then it's the other guy, Chip. Um, someone will correct me. That storyline was in the midst of the Jeremy Renner one, and they were like, "Oh, whatever we're trying to do with Jeremy Renner, it's not going to be th-. like." Sometimes the comics come out right. Even uh, what's her name for Into the Spider Verse? Amy Pascal was like, "We were trying to fix Spider Man. We didn't know what to do." And then Into the Spider Verse comic series came out, and it gave her this idea of something she's planning. I'm very intrigued for what they're going to do with this because it's like Jeremy Renner may have the best Disney Plus series if they keep it in line with the comics. Mm-hmm. My last thing is, should Blade be R? They're not going to do it. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, my one hesitation at the whole idea of the Scott Derrickson saying that uh, Doctor Strange is going to be you know, a Very horror movie, movie yeah is that Kevin Feige was clear to say it's still going to be PG-13. And Marvel is guilty of director bullshit. Like they, they We saw have a little bit in movies. Black Panther. 
they they have all these movies that come out and the directors will say we were highly inspired by three days of the Congor and it'll be a Marvel movie and then the new Marvel movie will come out and be like oh this is like ordinary people but with superheroes and then it's a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. like there's just so much director bullshit that I need to actually see the product before I believe it but it's exciting nonetheless hopefully uh, we'll get some good stuff from, from interesting filmmakers as we get into the next phase of Marvel movies and at least put them on the radar yep. yeah The 2019 Emmy nominations were announced since we last recorded, and after Netflix topped HBO for the network with the most nominations last year, HBO back on top this year with 137 (laughs) nominations to Netflix's 117. Game of Thrones became the show with the most Emmy nominations in a year with 32. Wow. Amazon's Marvelous Mrs. Maisel followed Thrones with 20 nominations of its own. Which is good. with 19. Saturday Night Live with 18. Barry and Fosse Verdon with 17. When They See Us with 16. Russian Doll with 13. Fleabag with 11. Hey. Yay or nay. You liked this slate of Emmy nominees. I do. Uh, I know we always have the discussions. What's the article that gets written alongside the look at the nominees? And let's talk about what was snubbed, right? And exactly, it, it, you almost yeah. get to a point where a lot of people start, you can tell, they started mentioning snubs that weren't even snubs. They just weren't straight. Guys, Stranger Things just came out. It didn't even qualify. At that point, you realize the people, you know, the discussion becomes the Emmy suck. And it's like, why? They didn't even nominate Stranger Things. They don't know anything. It's like. Oh, you're right. mad for there a reason a lot that of don't even make sense. Shows that just weren't part of this nomination. Yeah, and then cycle. you ask, have you seen Stranger the other ones? Stranger Things, The Crown. Of, uh, Crown I want to hear your thoughts. What do you think about it? Do you feel like we're always just in this circle of like, obviously, not everything can get nominated? Are you happy with everything that got nominated? Do you think uh, the politics that we talk about with the Oscars is happening here with Game of Thrones? Let me know. No, I mean, well, I, I do think that. Uh, it's a good slate of Emmy nominations. A lot of pe- I saw a lot of people complaining, like, "Oh, the worst season of Game of Thrones got 32 Emmy nominations." Well, everybody was saying like everything about the show is great except the writing. So why That's wouldn't the stuff it get- that got nominated for the most yeah. part? Yeah, it got the one writing nomination. The 31 other nominations, including four for those supporting actresses, we all love and talk about mm-hmm. all the time. So like that, that's cool for a show that was a cultural phenomenon is now on its way out the door. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, I was happy to see some shows that I I like uh, getting honored, like uh, Succession got in there. Which you're a fan of, yeah. Uh, Barry, which I always uh, praise, got a lot of nominations. Uh, I think there was a really, it was a really solid batch of nominees. We privately talked about uh, being disappointed that Homecoming wasn't among the nominees. Very big. I'm not super surprised about that. But she's not I actually wonder how much... That's what's sad about I it. I wonder how much it's half an hour t- uh, runtime impacted this as well. Because uh, you see traditionally the difference between comedy and drama often comes down to an hour versus half hour mm-hmm. with the Emmys. And that uh, being a half hour drama, I don't know, maybe confused some voters who are too old. Um, but, you know, we have a expanding television field and it's mm-hmm. hard to feel like you have a grasp of everything and yet for the most part it felt like these were some of the most exciting good shows uh that we've seen recently we talked about how great chernobyl was we talked about how great when they see us was I, i've heard really great things about fossey verdon and i want to catch up with it i was happy to see most of these nominations what about you fernanda what do you I like what what's the what's the category that you were most excited for i think like, so like, for Dang. me it would be everything in like the limited series stuff because that's where the most stuff i saw was um nominated Mm -hmm. for 
I think when they see us and stuff, yeah. All, when they see us, Chernobyl. Um, I think which category was it? Um, I mean, there are some categories that are stacked, but you know, there there's like a for sure winner, right? Like for you, mm-hmm. you said for um, comedy actress. I think you have one. Oh, that well, like, it, yeah. My joke yeah, there yeah. is like <laughs> anyone can win, and I'm like, yo, yeah. they put a performance in there, but I still stand. Mm-hmm. At the same time, though, Tony didn't get nominated last year, but That's keep true. going. Yeah. Um, but yeah, everything that When They See Us got nominated for, I was super happy about. And surprisingly, more people got nominated than I was expecting. Like, I knew Jarrell was going to get nominated. Um, you knew? But, uh, I, yeah. Yo, that guy's not even verified on Twitter. I'm happy. I checked his IMDb. He had nothing up. Like, no director mm-hmm. has him on the next thing. Yeah, but I was surprised that, like, Asante got nominated. Um, yeah. That was interesting, then, yeah. The, I was surprised the, he's 17 years old. Yeah. <laughs> Actors, uh, man. Yeah, and then um, yeah, just everything else with Chernobyl, um, HBO killed it, dude. HBO. Right. I'm gonna have to go with. I think Fernando was saying this. TV is getting so crazy. Yeah. I think we're gonna be looking more forward to Emmy nominations and the ceremony itself more than the Oscars in two three years. I, yeah. What do you more I've excited been, about right I've now? I've been. You know? I've been batting around like a like a article or or video idea in my head and i kind of feel like the emmys should move what do you mean to the beginning of the year because we i think one of the things that keeps the emmys from being the oscars is this sort of it's being so caught in between the cycles and people being like wait why isn't stranger yeah, things yeah. nominated and stuff if now that saying, we're yeah. not in this traditional like the fall season is the start of the television season thing now that streaming has kind of broken down the door just put the Emmys in February yeah. and make it like it's, the best TV exactly. of 2018. Exactly, it's not that difficult. Delay one ceremony a bit, you know. Mm-hmm. The Oscars have been pushed back from almost to March at some points. Uh, give yeah. it a year and three months of people who can come in and do. We know the Grammys. I don't know if you've seen the Grammys. People really screw around with the Grammys stuff. I've wow. seen what they do there. That's the worst one of them all. Bet. How many movie ones do we have? Do we need? Don't don't we literally have a thing called the Road right. to the Oscars? Mm-hmm. I, if I just said that phrase, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Exactly. Like maybe instead of maybe instead of like the Gotham Awards, exactly. we can get the Emmys so on a Sunday. What I'm getting though is you have so many leading up to film to the Oscars, and it's like, oh, the Oscars got it wrong. At least the Indies got it. At least the oh, the Golden Globes this year. What, besides the very few in the Golden Globes for the limited series, it's just the Emmys for TV. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah, the Emmys. Part. Yeah. That's a much, there is no road to there. It's just that. Yeah. Uh, I also wanted to shout out one of our long, long time favorites, Bojack Horseman, finally getting a best uh, or outstanding animated program nomination mm-hmm. uh, in its sixth season. Has it not gotten any has before? Been the, what, what, it never had one before. A nomination. A nomination. Shit's Creek, bro. What? This is like Shit's Creek, man. I don't know why it's taking so long for some. And I just started watching Shit's Creek. Uh, this is the best way I'll pitch that show because I saw the first season. It's very yeah. interesting that uh, Eugene Le- Levy. Mm-hmm. It's him, his son, his daughter. It's like a family thing. It's weird. Yeah. It, that it was. That's like the most heartfelt part about it. Even though they are playing rich people who are now poor, it, it's kind of funny to see them be poor now but it, i found that very intriguing that it's very family centric so for a show like that and a show for like bojack to finally get some recognition i wish it didn't take five seasons but hey right 
Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon won an Oscar for Goodwill Hunting in 1998, but the movie star pals haven't collaborated on a script since then. Until now, Affleck and Damon co-wrote the upcoming revenge film The Last Duel with the great Nicole Holof Center. The pair will also star in the movie as best friends ordered to fight a duel to the death for Alien and the Martian director Ridley Scott. Art, yay or nay, the movie has a chance to be as good as Goodwill Hunting. No. That's a ridiculous thing to always compare uh, because Goodwill Hunting just got too many years on it. You know, it's one of those things. Yeah. So it's yeah. like maybe some people will like it more, but the legacy aspect of it, nah, that's good. I don't like the maples. Right. I don't like the maples. <laughs> yeah, it, it's hard to imagine uh, any film eclipsing just how like iconic Goodwill Hunting is, especially given that this is sort of like later in their careers. But I don't know. Still could be an interesting project. A lot of good talent attached to it. Universal Pictures unveiled the debut trailer for the Tom Hooper adaptation of Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats, and for a brief moment, everybody stopped what they were doing and stared with a mix of wonder, fear, and befuddlement at what humankind had done. Art, yay or nay, you're more no. excited now to see the Cats movie. Hey, why are you shaking your head, Fernando, huh? Why are you shaking your head? I don't head? know. I'll you got something you to say? Me. You, you got something me? to say? I got tickets to Cats next Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> Supposedly, there's a story that I grew up obsessed with the VHS copy recording of the Broadway stage play. I don't recall. I will find <laughs> out this upcoming Tuesday. That said, I did see the trailer. Maybe there's something wrong with me because I found it more <laughs> magical and surreal. Don't get me wrong. It is weird. But is, I, is that not the point? Imagine someone seeing a Tim Burton movie going, why are his fingers so long? Like, you know, it's like, of course, it's weird. It makes no sense. But yeah. sh- why not? Let it bomb then. Y'all, y'all know you want to watch it. Y'all know you want to go as oh, buzzed as can it. be. Yeah. It looks crazy. It looks dumb. It looks hideous. It looks horrible. It looks magical, though. <sighs> I, I, I'm looking forward to right? uh, when I don't have to deal with cats anymore. It is very mediocre. <laughs> My child, I feel like you ignored when I just said it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited for it. I feel uh, like it's supposed to be dumb. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, look, it's it's good for kids. That's hey, when I saw it. Why is this better than the Lion King on Broadway ain't? That's still people who dress as cats. It's the same story. Uh, and finally, 13 Reasons Why fi- it has changed a controversial scene from two seasons ago yeah. uh, after much uh, objection from fans and experts alike Netflix has decided to alter a scene in which the uh, main character slits her wrists in a bathtub in order to avoid some of those images as recommended by experts in teen suicide art what do you think of this decision to alter the scene we all gave 13 reasons why they should have cut it a long time ago. It's the most yeah. pivotal scene. Uh, supposedly, uh, a thing came out, a study that said that solidifying this show did cause suicides, especially male suicides. Right. And it's like, there's no, it's like they wrote it down there. Like, this show showed me that I can be something. Which was funny because that study came out in April 2019, but there was... I mean, I remember saying stuff when the first season came out, mm-hmm. but I guess those yeah. were in South America, so those didn't matter because those were in South America. Um, 
I've been reached out by mental health people, like actual mental health organizations who worked on the show, who were okay with it as being a sponsor for season one, but they didn't like the backlash. So for season two, I guess their mental health studies changed and it wasn't okay for there to be there. I've been reached out by extras from the cast who asked me for money in order to get information. They forgot they told me enough information. They sent me pictures of how on the spot they were creating things like, you know, you know, on the spot, let's, let's improvise. Y'all ever improvised a rape during one of your uh, short films? Y'all ever just like, you're shooting at the hot tub or something and you're like, you know what would be really cool? Last minute edition, let's add a rape. Mm, There's some not, more not information so uh, that needs to be disclosed from the, the sets of this and stuff. Uh, I've been uh, approached by so many people. I think it's very interesting. Yeah. The, watch Euphoria. That's all I'll say. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it, I guess it's a good decision. Mm-hmm. It does feel like it's just very late, you know, yeah. after a What's lot of the people point? have uh, been talking about this. Uh, to... to to bring up something that's completely a separate issue and uh, to be clear, I'm not against Netflix altering this scene, mm-hmm. but it does make me wonder about the future of some of these streaming properties and what's going to happen. Uh, you know, Han- are we, Han- are we first? going to lose elements of uh, notable movies and stuff? Cause I mean, like it or not, that scene is now, historical it in is. a way my biggest problem with um, the scene wasn't ever necessarily the directing or the acting in it it was just you claim to be something you weren't the complete opposite yeah, of what euphoria yes. does euphoria says we're going for this feeling over here euphoria tells you to call a number all the way at the end of the credits these guys were like can we make shock factor out of a story in where a girl who commits suicide gets right, a right. three-season Netflix show. What do you think that's telling for people? Yeah, I don't... Exactly. There's a difference between uh, depiction and sensibility. Yeah, and if we're talking about... Sensalization. When we're talking about, like, Stranger Things and how fans of those are willing to create narratives about being on set and dating the people, check out the Twitter. Same thing is happening over here. People lying that they were going to commit suicide when they were never thinking about committing suicide just to say that they want to defend the show. It's weird to me. With social media, we're in a thing where people will pretend to be something they're not. The Little Mermaid, some random dude cropped an image from an unboxing of The Little Mermaid back in 2012 to complain about the... You know, it's like, it's so weird, the effort we get into this. Um, I don't know. I don't know why now, but you do bring up a good point. What else can they alter now? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, but that's all for this yay or nay news segment. Make sure to leave us a question. If there's a su- subject you want us to cover on a future episode of The Intercut, you can email us, intercutpod at gmail.com, to get it featured on the next show. You can also reach out to us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Our handle is at intercutpod for all three. Be an intercutie and send us your film, TV, and entertainment questions. We got a little bit of time for Topic of the Week. We went long on uh, Marvel, but we still want to talk about The Lion King. Mm-hmm. which I think had the eighth highest opening weekend of all time, maybe ninth. I checked the uh, box office. 90 million, something like that. When you saw it, how packed was it? I mean, it was full. I, I, I ended up seeing a later showtime than I expected because I didn't want to sit in the front row. Sometimes you uh, can just see. That yeah, number's going to be yeah. big at the end of the weekend. When I went, it was jam-packed. People yeah. dress- More people were dressed for this movie than I saw people dressed for Avengers and Toy Story. Damn. Right, I mean, like, you said you can <laughs> like, see, but crazy. it's almost like you can... F- Sorry? Like, that's crazy. Avengers mm-hmm. and yeah. Toy Story, more people were dressed in Akuna Matata gear than anything Absolutely. else. <laughs> yeah, you said you can see it. I mean, I feel like you can feel, feel it. it. You know, there's just a... Uh, 
a hype around the movie, even if it's not necessarily like a an excitement for um, film fans, the, the product. It, there's yeah. like an anticipation of it, of and, the story. It was part of a cultural moment. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people. It's just such a movie that holds such a fond place in most people's hearts, mine included. Yeah. That it just seemed like there's no way they weren't going to get uh, millions and millions of people watching this movie easily. Uh, it's just one of those timeless stories where it's like, okay, if we were to rewatch Twelve Angry Men, yeah, we still have courtrooms, but they don't look like that. Most of our jurors right. don't talk like that. It's not really like that. The jungle—it's not the jungle. The 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 circle of life and and where that story takes place will always be there, unless we like ram it over and create a city. So that's what makes that story right. so timeless and the animation so timeless. Where do y'all fall? I guess in two two first. How does the movie stand? N- can you judge this movie as its own thing, or do you have to compare it to the 94? Original. I, that's a good question, and I think a lot of people have been directly comparing it to the 1994 movie as a way of basically dismissing it. There, there's this thing uh, that happens anytime that a remake or a, a sequel or something is suggested. People go, well, well, you can just watch the original one. Yeah. And I, I get that, uh, but these do feel like somewhat different things i think you can compare them in the sense that uh it helps highlight some of the things that are missing in one another oh that's a good point uh, yeah i i think well you know one uh, I, I i'll go ahead and say that like i come out on the not having particularly enjoyed the 2019 one i don't think it's trash the way that a lot of twitter seems to be reacting to it but it's just not uh the kind of iconic uh, type of film that I, I feel like the yeah. 1994 version is. There's uh, there's a good joke, I, I, but you heard it from a comedian whose delivery wasn't the greatest. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, my girlfriend actually made a really interesting point. One thing that I think the 2019 version did better than the 1994 version was demonstrate the environmental impact of Scar's reign. Uh, like you yeah. understood like this is why terrible. the uh, like like why when, when it, I was when it, why why it went on fire is because he wasn't taking right. care of the place. Yeah, like it just it just felt like oh the land turned evil yeah, it, in the it, 1994 in the version, one, but this is like. like yeah, and, and that, that I think also highlights like the major thing about the 2019 version in that it, it's almost more nature documentary than it is children's animated feature. That's a great point. Did you know the original wasn't supposed to be a musical? It was originally supposed to be, and they say it in the special features, a National Geographic-like story where we were following mm. this, this you know, the Simba doing mm. be, becoming what he needed to be. Uh, inspired from Hamlet, inspired from Moses, inspired from jo- uh, Joseph. They said all those stories, which is funny because the special feature starts with the first original story Disney has ever done and then quickly reminds you that it's from <laughs> Moses, Hamlet, and Joseph. Yeah. And if you go on YouTube, you will also hear about Kimba the Lion, the Japanese mm-hmm. yes. animation. I'm, I'm sure you know that. If not, go watch it. Um, originally, it was supposed to be a National Geographic type of movie showing the animation kind of like the beginning so imagine the beginning without the music right they made a better choice making it a musical the original team left (laughs) they made it the musical what was interesting about the original was the how they went about it and maybe maybe this is where you notice a difference pocahontas lanking made at the same time all the a players went to pocahontas they thought that was the hit because they're retelling another story that's the one we know b team and the b team is in the special features going yeah no we Uh took that and that angst helped us make 
an $8 billion Broadway spinoff. I, 55 million home copies sold within VHS, DVD. Bro, I, I thought they sold Laserdisc. I almost had to check that. They're right. selling it in Laserdisc too. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. This is, you do know this is one of the very few movies that you can own in almost every um, media. Format. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's yeah. insane. So uh, to bring up the 1994 one again, which, uh, you know, maybe it's not the best to constantly compare them, but you mentioned all the people dressing up for this 2019 movie. And the thought occurred to me, I just cannot picture anybody wearing a shirt with one of these animals' faces on it, the, the 2019 Simba's face on it. Now, the 1994 Simba ha- is so expressive. I feel it's, There's a personality there. There's... There, there's such a embodiment of character. And in this film's pursuit of photorealism, a photorealism which is jaw-dropping. It's I don't good. want to take any way, it's anything away good. from It's too good. You tried making the photorealism a cartoon, and you realize you can't have both. You made the... Uh, one of the things yes. I said, I was like, y'all made the greatest pie, and then we're mad... You submitted it to a chili competition. Of course, yeah. they weren't gonna mesh. Like what? You you. They made the photorealism so, look so good. And then they tried having it them almost talk. Lo- yeah. It almost makes them look. It almost makes it look like one of those movies where they actually use real animals and just make the jaw move, Mr. like cats and dogs. Cats and dogs, Mister Ed. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Like, so at that point, you weren't enjoying that. I went in. Knowing. I mean, I I saw one scene of Timon and Pumbaa at home, and I almost had a heart attack. And I went, oh my goodness. Everyone's been going, he's like, why do you like the new one? I was like, it's terrible. I was like, that's why I like it. It's so surreal that they have this, it looks like a turd walking around with a stick. I mean, I honestly, honestly, I get a weird thing where I think it just hurts my brain a little bit because watching it and especially watching uh, a lot of the singing in the movie, I feel I found they're disconnected. It hard to they're not attribute. even. There's two separate things I, going on. Yeah, I found it hard to attribute a voice to an animal. Yeah, and it, it I found my brain like working overtime trying to be like, well, well, that's Simba's voice because it's the like it's it just made the experience of it less ple- pleasurable yeah. for me. Did you have one of those? And I, I imagine it being less pleasurable for most kids. Although it, we, you've seemed to. Uh, said that most p- kids in your screening seem to really enjoy it. I can't really judge a kid. Kids are watching Peppa Pig nowadays, and it's also those are kids. You know, they're not gonna. This yeah. it, it's the story. Like I was saying with the punchline thing, the punchline will still hit. You'll still get the gist of the joke. You're still getting the gist of the story. Mufasa dies. You know, I was telling Zach that I had a guy where it's like that still hits no matter how you see it. You know, you can read that off a Wikipedia page and still be like, what? Guy, forty right. th- something years old, for the first time, didn't know. He got up. He said, "What the hell is?" He left. <laughs> I don't know if he just had diarrhea or something, but it coincided to the scene of Mufasa's death. The kids were gasping. Uh, mm. Say your your little anecdote about one of the death scenes and what the kids said. <laughs> uh, I was worried about the little kid behind me for that Mufasa death, just because you know it is so photorealistic. Yep. That's it, it, I feel like it could be scary, and then Mufasa does his iconic fall and kind of disappears into the cloud of wildebeest dust and the kid behind me goes whoa, whoa he exploded <laughs> so so maybe our kids aren't going to be as traumatized as we all right. thought uh, and by our kids, like this. yeah the kids we have nowadays like they're just like i i've seen worse man what you talking about i saw yeah. i saw a hulk 
damn, bro. Like, this ain't nothing to me. I know what we're here for. It is, I, I agree with you, where it's like, it looks so beautiful, and it's like, wow, you guys have created this technology, which I do want to get into a bit, but it's just so disconnected yeah. with what they try to make it be that all I was just hearing was Beyonce over National Geographic footage. Tell me there was not points where someone would speak and you thought it was someone in the theater because I didn't see anyone's yes, mouth exactly. move on the screen. Yeah, and, and you know, you talk about Beyonce. I think there is a thing to some of these performances. Beyonce is probably the worst uh, offender of the people I in was, the cast. I was worried in that until I heard the Beehive also say it. <laughs> it's it's Beyonce is not a naturalistic performer. Mm-hmm. She's a very showman. Uh, That's what makes she her does great. Big emotions. Yes, and, and the 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 art in the movie is so naturalistic. It's so subdued. That if you're going to give these big performances, if you're going to say, Simba, no, you, you can't have the mouth just like barely moving and not fully and, open. And, and uh, the original, did you know, I don't know if you ever noticed it, beautiful animation. The whiskers were PNG images practically added at the end of the shoe and they only added it to the males. None of the females have any whiskers. Now for the new one, I guess you could say, hey, look, fun fact, now they do have whiskers. Covering yeah. all the emotion. So you're right. You've got a little bit of a lip, but they're tigers. They have this over them yeah. or they're lions. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, I agree with what you're saying. That said, what, what yeah. format and did you see it in? Uh, I saw it standard okay. and I know you saw it IMAX. Or Nothing changed then, I guess, for you. I saw it in IMAX and uh, the beginning opens up and the stampede oh, okay. opens oh, that's up. Pretty cool. And to me, I was like, we can hate on this all you want. Yeah. But if we liked it in first man, I mean, so, it's just as cool here. Right, and and we have been mostly negative on the 2019 version so far, but I do have to say, like, look, this is still the Lion King. Yep. These are still the songs written by Elton John. When that first note of uh, "Circle of Life" comes help. on, like, it's transport, it's transportational, and there are certain moments during certain songs where you can't help but be a little bit wrapped up in it. But I tell uh, you, we haven't mentioned them yet, but I thought Billy Eichner and Seth Rogen were very funny part. in the roles of Timon and Pumbaa, mm-hmm. especially when they were allowed to riff a little bit. Mm-hmm. I found that when this movie actually strayed from the, 2000, the 1994 version, like in uh, the little BR guest moment, that was that a surprise. those were some of the most entertaining parts yeah. of this version. Would you actually say that? Because so, the way he did it is he made them keep some lines, they cut some other ones. Um, he let them improv a lot. Because the yeah. whole thing was shot in VR, which is another thing that we yet to fully discuss. But to, to bring it in real quick is that they didn't like animate this. They created the world like Ready Player One, put the camera right. in the world, and then shot it. That to me is so intriguing. So when I ever hear someone who's like, this is the laziest effect, I'm like, ah, I guess I can't listen to you. Like, we can really hate on this movie. Yeah. For what it does bad in, uh, in terms of the emotions that it showcases. But whenever yeah. I hear the words lazy, it's like, okay, so you just created I, a Twitter account. One thing that I haven't really understood is why Avatar got such a pass for its visual uh, investments. And, and this movie well, isn't getting the it did. same. No, 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 it did. And then people laughed at that critic who said, this is a game changer. Because I've seen it in three other quotes going, wow, y'all real petty. They're like, it's not a game changer like others may say. And I was like, wow, y'all are really petty to each other. No, it really is. I don't think you've done any research if you haven't seen what they've done to create this movie. Can you hate that it's with your 94 original film? Yes. Is it bad to say that this was a good um, test demo to be able to do something? And they needed a property that would make money, sure. But they yeah. created. And I don't think the new. the technological achievements means you have to say it's an entertaining. Yeah, movie. you don't have to. It just 
but it doesn't mean it's not a technological achievement. Exactly. I do agree with you, though. I, I feel like anytime they did improv, those worked a lot better than having to re-say lines from the original that fell forth. Like, what's the matter yeah. with you? Uh, those I always thought was funnier. The bit with Chance I also thought was funny. Oh, my gosh. I thought you were a lion. I am a lion. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I thought you were like a lion lion. I am. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> and then Chance just leaps. Oh, I don't know. What other thoughts did you guys have on this? Because it is interesting to see something that's so big that when you're talking about it in film Twitter, people look at you a certain way. It's like, how do you feel yeah. about this movie? Eh, I thought it was okay. Yeah. Mm. Fernando? I, I think I think it really is just okay. Um, and the thing, one of my biggest takeaways is the fact that a lot of our screenings were filled with small children. And for a lot of them, this is going to be their first introduction to the story, right? It's like that whole thing of like... Um, retelling the story for a new generation mm-hmm. um, yeah. which you know there's a discussion there of like whether those parents are bad for not just showing them the original one and <laughs> sending them to see this one um, but yeah I just thought it was fine really like we've said I wasn't blown away by the expressions and all that but the visuals were incredible um, even on standard and we had you had told me Art that this is the way they have to do it because Disney's not gonna spend the money to create this technology they've never done for an original property that no one's ever heard of that will potentially bomb yeah this this has happened multiple times this happened with king kong we all knew back in the day that's why king kong was made was to help some stuff and then they were later a lot of people go like disney would have never wanted this ah you moron uh here's disney's own words saying he actually he didn't know it was gonna be live action but he wanted remakes of all of his movies Lion King happened a little too soon, but with the Snow Whites and stuff, he did say he wanted those remade. We're talking about, you know, oh, this is outdoing indies, but... I do wonder, though, and to bring this back to Cats, which you had mentioned earlier in this episode, if these projects would have benefited from more of a visual stylist at the helm. John Favreau and Tom Hooper are not people who I... I think of as visual stylists the same way I do uh, Tim Burton or even like a James Gunn. And I wonder how much uh, having a top-down approach for how a movie should look and having somebody who's really interested in the the art, first and foremost, um, might have changed the look of these characters in a way that would be more palatable. You say Great Gatsby? What's his name from the get-down? Baz Luhrmann. You want Baz Luhrmann doing this? I mean, I don't know if that's the that's exactly who I well, had in mind, did, but sure. You brought up, a, uh, you brought up uh, Burton. How do you feel about Alice in Wonderland? I kind of hate it. Exactly. So <laughs> it's almost truth. like a mixed bag. I feel like these are yeah. inevitable, which brings us to, I know, one of like the big maybe final points, and that's uh, the idea of watching this movie and what that means for the industry itself. I, as a person right. who's talked to producers, know that this movie... Is going to pay out for the in more independent for the Disney Plus streaming stuff that is our favorite. I know that the technology made in this movie will be used for whatever our favorite movie is two years, three years from now when they use that technology. I'm aware that um, me paying for a ticket for this or not paying for a ticket for this isn't going to stop Mulan from coming out. It ain't going to stop all the other ones from coming out. But above it all is that this has employed people. Like, this has given yeah. people jobs. That This isn't an excuse to say that it's a good movie because it's still a bad movie. But trash it. Use that. Go ahead. Talk about how it isn't good. And guide them to the creative space they need to be. Look at what happened with Thor. Right? There's fans of the first two. But enough people spoke, including the actor, in order to do something about it. 
and now we spent the whole time talking about it, excited we were for that. I'm curious to see where it goes next. I'm curious to see how people are going to feel with all the other upcoming ones. I'm excited for Cats. I think both of these are surreal. They're insane. Um, I can't wait to see what they actually do with the technology that they have. Because at the same time, people say, watch the original. The originals do get re-released. Y'all don't watch them. (laughs) You really don't. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens in the future of digital fur technology. Uh, but for now, we should move on to our final thing. It's the pick for the week. Art, what was your pick for the week? I got two bad boys right here. You want to stay home? Watch Euphoria. You already know what's up. If you want to go out to the theaters, watch The Farewell. Boom. Easy enough. Fernando, you have a pick for the week. Um, yeah, this week I'm going to go check out uh, the new little Tarantino movie. I think that's coming out. Oh, is it? Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Interesting. That's cool. Uh, see, for a couple of small unknown actors, but other than that, mm-hmm. um, that's nice. Yeah. Disney film. Is it Disney film? Is he still? Who's distributing him now that it's not Weinstein? I don't know, actually. Just yeah, him? I don't know. I should look at it. It's a Kickstarter movie. Okay. What about <laughs> you saying? Um. I watched a stand-up special over the weekend that I thought was very interesting, and I know you've actually seen uh, this performer recently, although I don't know if you've seen the Netflix version of it, Aziz Ansari's Right Now. What did you think? I thought it was a really compelling show. Okay. I thought uh, Spike Jones it was actually the, the director. director of Ooh. it, and I thought he did a really okay. interesting job of presenting the the show in a way that I haven't really seen much stand-up comedy presented. Uh, he does this thing where he's wearing a steady cam and he follows Aziz on stage and then just kind of hangs out just next to Aziz right next on to stage for most of the show. Yeah. And it, it just feels like super, that? super intimate. I mean, I think it really worked for certain moments because unlike a lot of Aziz's previous specials, he's a performer who likes to get loud sometimes and, and shout and be kind of obnoxious. Yeah. This is a very quiet special for Aziz. He's whispering. He's murmuring. Then he yells. He's, he's, he yells <laughs> at times too, yeah, but he, you know, he gets real and he ends on a very somber, quiet note, which I found oddly powerful uh but you know i think the thing about this special that is really so captivating is that it's clear that aziz is a guy who's been through a lot recently Mm -hmm. not just from following the stuff in the media but just seeing the way he carries himself and how he talks about things he's he's clearly still processing a lot of emotions from this whole uh, uh media hubbub i guess you could say around his supposed uh uh sexual misconduct the babe article and i think I think he handled it really well in in addressing the situation, in in being honest about the situation, and in talking about what it means and what Mm -hmm. it means in today's world. And to see somebody who's experiencing something so unique processing it in such a vulnerable way, I just found fascinating. That's interesting. Uh, And hilarious in moments. So. I highly recommend anybody check out Aziz Ansari yeah. right now on Netflix. I caught it. I saw him live in Denver for this. Yeah. Wearing same shirt, same everything. But he did not have that intro uh, where he does address it and the things that he had gone through and about how as long as somebody mm. else learns something from it, then that's good. I feel I wish he would have phrased it just a little bit better. But yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great special. Check that one out. And I want you definitely check out Rami's on HBO then. Because if you liked yeah. how that this one was shot, which has, again, been a very interesting point that I've been bringing up. Big directors doing stand-up. Let's not mention Bo Burnham with Chris Rock. Um, mm-hmm. I think you'll really like how Rami's was shot, 
even if you still cool. prefer the stand-up better over here. But, yeah, we got some good picks of the week. Wait, what about for theaters? Say farewell again so oh, people uh, know. <laughs> I think I said the farewell last time. Say it time. again because people need to go I'll watch I'll say it TV. again. But you know what else? I'm going to go see The Art of Self-Defense this week. Oh, you haven't seen so it yet. I, I, I recommend so, that so one. So I'm going to talk about it on the next show. If you want to listen to me talk about it, make sure you go see that too. Sounds dope. That's all for this week's show. You can catch more from me, Zach Shevich, by following me on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd at ZShevich. That's at Z-S-H-E-V as in the village, I-C-H. And check out my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash show Art, where can people find more from you? You can find me at the A to Z show on pretty much everything. Instagram, uh, Facebook, Twitter, whatever other ones there are, Club Penguin. You can also follow me on Let Me Explain. You guys know the channel, but you can follow me and all of us every single week here on the Intercut Pod. Oh, I forgot someone. Uh, Fernando. <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Border underscore Logic. And then also keep up with the new website we have. That's www.theatzshow.com uh, where you know you can find all of Art's videos, all of the Intercut, and some news articles that me and Zach are writing. So yeah. Yeah, Fernando just published a really great piece going behind the scenes on The Last Black Man in San Francisco. So mm-hmm. hopefully you've caught that movie and can check out Fernando's article. Well done, Fernando. Thank you. Yep. And uh, yeah, I think that was my bad on skipping Fernando earlier. But what. you can listen to every episode of the Intercut Podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on your favorite podcatcher, I Like Overcast. And then make sure you're subscribed not just to the video audio feed, but to the video feed as well here on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash intercutpod, where you can watch our bright, smiling faces as we break down the latest in entertainment. Find new episodes of Intercut every Thursday, and please leave us a comment, like the videos, consider heading over to iTunes to give us a five-star, five-star review, and like our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. All of them are at intercutpod to get updates throughout the week from Art, from me, from Fernando, from all the guests that we have here on Intercut. Thanks again for tuning in, and until next time, Hakuna Matata.